0: Hey guys, Mark here. Today's episode of the Undercover Success Series is another video interview. We've ripped the audio to push out to the podcast. So if you're listening to this and you want to watch it instead, head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash undercover four. Hey guys, Mark here. Welcome to another episode of the Undercover Success Series. Every day this week, we're gonna be interviewing successful authority site owner entrepreneurs many of whom you'll never have heard of before. These guys have nothing to sell or pitch you, so you probably won't hear their secrets very often. If you wanna hear the previous episodes in this series, head on over to authorityhacker.com slash undercover, and you can check them out there. Today, I'm gonna to be interviewing Josh Dunlop. Josh is the founder and CEO of Expert Photography, a photography site which helps you understand your camera and take great photos. We're gonna be talking about how he started and eventually grew his site, into a seven-figure authority site. Just before we get started though, I wanna remind you that this Sunday, we are relaunching Authority Hacker Pro. And to celebrate, we've got a free training webinar for you guys. That's gonna be this Sunday, Sunday the 8th of October at 7 p.m. London, 2 p.m. New York. Gail and I are gonna be sharing with you some of our top tactics that we use to start and scale authority sites. There's gonna be a bunch of never-before-seen stuff in here. Plus, we're gonna be giving away in a goodie bag, some of our best converting templates. So head on over to authorityhacker.com webinar and sign up today. And if you want the goodie bag, make sure you do attend on Sunday night. I'll see you there. So let's start from the start then. How did you get started with expert photography?
1: Um, well, my dad and my brother were in online marketing and I did my first photography job um, and I got so excited about it, I decided I wanted to be a photographer, so I thought I'm going to start off by blogging about ex- blogging about photography to get my name known in Google and you know, come up in search results. I thought it was going to be as easy as that. And I got about four blog posts in, was horrified by the quality of content other people were producing, thought I can do better than this. And, kind of snowboard from there.
0: So you wanted, to be, you wanted to use this as a platform to promote yourself as a photographer? Originally,
1: that died out pretty quickly.
0: Okay, and then what changed? How did it morph into the, the behemoth it is today?
1: Um, the, well, I mean, I struggled, let's not get it wrong, I struggled for at least the first three years. Um, you just trying to make money in little ways like Google Adsense or Amazon Associates. It changed in a big way when I learned how to like, build a marketing funnel, you know, a tripwire, an upsell, you know, proper email marketing, using proper tools. You know, I didn't like it. It was Office Autopilot at the time, Entreport. I didn't like it, uh, but it was a huge step in the right direction. So when I started using those sorts of software and I saw the potential uh, and I knew how to build a funnel and was working with some templated copy, um, it became much easier.
0: Okay, and so how long after you started did it become a real business in in your mind?
1: Um, Probably three and a half years. I mean, I just did it wrong for a very long time. Um, I mean, I'm grateful that I have all the content that I have now, Uh, and content marketing is great, but it's not the most important thing.
0: Right, okay. Uh, And you'd never run any site before this? No. Right, okay. And did you follow any kind of, like, program or framework when you were... Doing this, or did you Just get a blog up there and
1: pretty much got happens. a blog up there. My brother helped me out initially because he was in online marketing, um, but it was kind of quite a hands-off thing, and I could do whatever I felt like. So I was just trying to write content three days a week, and that's not really that's not really work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not certainly not work. Someone who's in charge should be doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, were you a photography expert when you started? <laughs> no. Like, Despite the name Expert Photography?
1: No. A great. If you ever want to learn how to do anything, like teach it. Because you have to know it really, really well to be able to teach it. Because you can't put wrong information out there. You'll look like an idiot.
0: Did you, did you ever look back on some of your old content and think, God, I can't believe I wrote this.
1: Um, yeah, there's a couple that got unpublished, for sure. A um, couple bits of stretching going on. You know, you, wanna, you just want, oh, I should write about this, it's a topic, but you don't really have the, really have the photos for it. Um, even like early products were like, mm, is not, not great quality in comparison to what I produce now.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your monetization model. So at the moment, am I right in thinking you have a lot of blog posts, articles, free content out there, mm-hmm. and use that as a way to sort of get emails and then push people through your, your sales funnel, try and sell them digital products. Is that, would you say, that's like your main monetization
1: um, strategy? No, I mean, the, the blog is an important part of it. It, it, it shows that you're an authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a lot of free traffic and essentially free money from it. Mm-hmm. But that is zero scalability in comparison to paid ads. Mm-hmm. So what we really focus on now is getting advertising working really well. Because um, if, you, if you can produce a high-converting offer that is scalable with advertising, like that's it, you've, you've cracked the code. Mm-hmm. Um, scaling content is a whole other beast because you have to hire writers, you have to hire an editor, a content manager, um, and there's so much content out there already just to, just to kind of stay afloat. You need to be really competitive and invest a lot of money. That said, if I had invested the amount of money I've spent on advertising, into content, I would probably be a richer man. It's just not as easy.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you realize that, or at what point did you realize, hey, there's something in this paid traffic? Were you playing around with it for a while, or had, did someone show you how to do it, or what was the, what was the sort yes. of aha moment? To
1: so play? my friend Brian Moran, um, he did um, Fanpage Funnel on some uh, Facebook Ads Academy and some products around Facebook advertising a long time ago. And he caught, sort of showed me how it works and, and what to do about it. Um, and I just kind of noticed early on that I was trading a dollar for a dollar. You know, I spent a, a dollar on advertising and fingers crossed make a sale before I would spent a hundred dollars because so I get a hundred dollars back. And it never really worked that well. It was only when I started switching to um, like tripwires and building proper funnels where I knew, okay, my average order value is $22 or something. It costs me, you know, one in 10 people are buying. it costs me this much to get a lead. And mm-hmm. It was only when you could like work out the numbers at scale that you could see very clearly, okay, this, if this number is consistent, this is gonna be profitable if I keep running ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and, f- you know, I I sold, I probably sold like, 30,000 of these Tripwire eBooks. And it was just a case of scaling traffic. It doesn't convert half as well as it used to now. It's just an old product and we neglect it quite substantially. Um, but that kind of got my foot in the door to pay traffic. And then I started hiring other people who were better at it than I was.
0: And so uh, let's talk about your team for a second. How many people of you are working for you?
1: So in-house, we currently have a videographer, my assistant and a community manager um, who are all great. They play very important roles in the day-to-day. Um, I have a part-time Filipino assistant who does the customer support on weekends and evenings. Um, I have a Facebook guy and an AdWords guy. Uh, the AdWords guy does some copy as well as a copywriter. Um, then I have just you know, miscellaneous remote employees. I've got a developer and um, a designer, but they're all on hourly mm-hmm. know, whenever I need them.
0: You find them on Upwork or something yeah. similar? Okay. Yeah, And who, who was the first hire? What was the first hire you made?
1: Uh, that would have been my first assistant. Um, and it was kind of hard to justify at the time because when you're not really making any money and then you have to go and spend like $800 on someone else, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to get around because it's just like the stress of doing customer support. The thing about customer support is when you get an email and someone's pissed off, they're pissed off with me if, if you're working for me and you're doing my customer support, it's like there's like this whole barrier where it doesn't really affect you as much as it affects me. So it just took all of my energy twice a day. Every time I, th- I had a rule, if I think about customer support, I have to go check it. So I'd be like sitting at work or I'd even just be like sitting at the, sitting on the sofa watching TV and I think about it. It's like, oh, I have to check it now. Otherwise, it's going to stay in my mind, and that getting rid of that stress and all of this five dollar an hour work mm. like all of the like campaign building, loads of copy and paste, some data entry stuff all of that stuff just got taken away. Uh, and now I don't do anything like that unless it's like a really small task that would take me longer to explain it to someone else and to mm. just do it myself. I don't do it. Um, that yeah, that first employee was. was
0: was it mostly, it's a, you are saying, like a psychological thing rather than a you know, return on investment at that point?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, that okay, was, a, that was a big change because just to be able to, you know, I heard, um, I think, I forget who said it now. I know I heard it from Dan Martell, but he said like every hour of work you should do should provide $1,000 of future value. Mm. Uh, and depending on what level you are, I think for him it's $5,000 of future value. So when you think about it like that, you don't want to be doing $5, $10 an hour work ever. You know, me working with, me going, if I go through the data of our last product launch, our last promotion, we just finished up a promotion with the biggest affiliate in our niche, and I'll spend tomorrow morning going through for probably four hours all the data we collected, conversion rate on everything every day. I'll get my assistant to go in and up like, we've already got a template, so she'll go and fill in a bunch of information, but I'll work closely with the affiliate, email them, make sure they have everything they need. Mm-hmm. That four hours is easily worth $4,000, because, I mean, I managed to get him to promote because I did the same thing on a previous product launch, and I emailed it out to my affiliates, and they were like, oh wow, you did really well. Don't want to promote this one, but how about your other course? Mm-hmm. You know, that took a few hours, but, the returns being been huge in comparison. So that, that sort of work where you're, you're working at a much higher level, or like um, filming a sales video or creating a new product. you know, creating a new product might only take me a week or something, but it's, you know, it's tens of thousands of dollars an hour. It could potentially be tens of thousands of dollars an hour.
0: How would you say your thinking in that regard changed when you went from a sort of five, six figure business up to a seven figure business then?
1: Um, I guess it I mean the the biggest thing from six to seven is adding product depth. And so, so by, really, by that you
0: mean more products. More products. Okay.
1: So once once I did that, you can't do it on your own. And you're not gonna be the best at most of what you do. You know, my videographer is amazing. He he edits these videos, he sells videos, mm-hmm. which okay, we've got better lighting, we've got better audio, we've got better backdrop, everything looks better. But then he goes through and he adds all these extra features to the videos, all these images and the videos he finds from the courses, makes it look fantastic. And that sort of thing I can't do. And if I'm still operating at that six-figure level where I don't have the money or the time to invest in, you know, because when I first had like my really first first really successful product, it was still six figures. Mm-hmm. Like mid six figures, but I had, you know, and I was still doing a lot of things myself. Then when you get the cash from that, it's a case of going, okay, well now I can afford to invest invest the money where I need it. So, you know, better customer support, better sales funnel, better better looking sales videos. You know the the video quality of all of our courses, the production value is way higher now. And it's just a case of okay, you, you have to like everything gets more expensive, but it's it's money well spent.
0: Mm-hmm. What what would you say was your most expensive mistake you made?
1: Oh. Um, so the first thing that comes to mind is, is hiring mistakes. Yeah, we have. Um, well, there's a couple. So a hiring mistake, like I ran, I've unfortunately stopped working with two employees this year mm-hmm. of five in house I've I've employed. Um, one of one employee was probably at least five thousand dollar mistake. The other one was at least ten thousand dollar mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, if not more, that they're really expensive because, like, if you consider, okay, you work three or six months with someone who's not what right for you, first of all, half their salary could go on half productivity, wrong person, wrong role. Then you've got to think about, okay, how about all of my time, my rather expensive time in finding these people, all of that needs to be respent. All the money you spend on advertising, on just different job boards, the time you spend interviewing, all of it's, Really expensive. So now I'm doing local advertising for employees. And if it costs me three, four, $5,000 in advertising just to find one employee, totally okay with that because I'm, I'd rather spend it now to get the right one mm-hmm. than spend it later to get the wrong one.
0: Have you used any like, professional recruitment agencies or consultants for, for that kind of stuff?
1: No, I mean, I've put them on a, a local job board here, but mm-hmm. I, I like to be able to control the process so I can ask the questions I want mm-hmm. to ask and I don't want a cover letter, I want them to answer my questions and then attach their CV. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that is an expensive mistake, I mean, there's, there's been tech hiccups in the past, nothing huge, but just choosing the wrong software is really expensive, mm-hmm. you know. Any in particular? I mean, I like Infusionsoft. Um, I don't know of a better alternative at this moment in time. Mm-hmm but you know we had a product launch a couple last week and last week yeah last week or the week before and one of the emails just didn't go out mm-hmm. and I called them up I was like well first of all I went on live chat which is absolutely appalling um, and I said what's going on and they said oh app slowness like across the board all apps are running slow so you know the email doesn't go out for 8 hours it goes out at the wrong time mm-hmm. And it's hard to really say, how much did that cost me?
0: And you were in the middle of a launch of this? Yeah, right, okay.
1: And then Cyber Monday last year, no one could send an email. Like, right. all of my friends who using future gave up, didn't send a Cyber Monday email probably until the next, probably day. Day the next day. the busiest day the The busiest day. Probably the busiest day of the year, and they just couldn't get their software to work. Mm-hmm. But what else can I use? I don't really know. The headache of moving software, and you know, it might be out of the frying pan into the fire, the headache of that is not worth it's not it's probably worse than the headache of staying where I am. Mm-hmm. So I'll stay where I am. Okay. Begrudgingly.
0: Okay. So you mentioned that you to go from six to seven figures, you started diversifying your sort of product range to create mm-hmm. more products. Um, a lot of authority site owners, what they actually do when they when they push past six, go into the seven, eight figure range is they they start other sites. Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered that? No. Why?
1: Um I'd rather do one thing well than a few things okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I do this really well, it will be a model that I can replicate across other niches. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, like, that's the reason it took me so long to release new products. I wanted to get a product that worked really well. You know, the copy was really great the customer testimonials are great. Everything was perfect about it. And then I can be like, okay, this works, we'll copy it. Mm -hmm. Same with the advertising campaigns that go with it. Everything works well. So we're using that as a model for all of our other products Mm -hmm. until expert photography is doing like mid seven. I wouldn't think about, and even then I'd keep it in in photography. I'd I'd roll up and buy other sites or something, but that's like, Couple of years down the line, at least, and I'm not interested at this moment in in looking at, at, at working on any other site. I don't know what I'd do without expert photography. I would be bored out of my mind within a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not not looking at buying. So, it. what That's is
0: fun. your what is your ultimate sort of vision? Like, where where do you see the site in five years' time? Then
1: <sighs> you still going to be running it? No. Um, five years' time, there will be. Five years is a long time. Two years time, there will be a general manager in place running expert photography mm-hmm. without me. Um, we will have 10 to 15 high converting products that are operating in an evergreen launch. Mm-hmm. We're spending uh, you know, half a million dollars a month in advertising mm-hmm. and...
0: A lot of airline points there. Sorry? A lot of airline points there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to think quite far down the line. Mm-hmm. Five years, who knows, I mean.
0: So, I mean, you're obviously the, the face of, of expert photography. Uh-huh. When you go onto the, the homepage, there's, there's your, your lovely mug up there. Um, do you see yourself continuing to fulfill that role, or will you ever bring in a sort of new persona, as it were, um, to, to be that person, or would
1: that be the general manager? Um, It wouldn't be a general manager, but I would certainly look at having someone else come in. It's tricky because if you have someone else come in, they really need an equity share to stay around. I don't want to build up someone else's status and then they'll be like, I'm going to go do my own thing now. Mm -hmm. Um, What I think I will probably continue to do is I work with other photographers to create courses. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to borrow their status and their expertise while keeping it within the expert photography realm. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to remain the face of it, you know, but it's, there's, it's something I've always struggled with because I know some people who who are really the face of it and I'm only like kind of the face of it. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, there's like Jared Polin, photo. that man is everywhere on his website, on all his videos. It is him, he can never sell it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much, I like, he would really struggle to sell it because he is the brand. Yeah. Um, I don't want that. However, if you are your own personal brand, I think you have a much greater chance of making a significant amount of money because people are more likely to connect with you as a person than you yeah. as a brand. For sure. For sure. So it's a tricky one. I don't want to be... I'd like to be able to slip away and just be like... Because I, I, I never get recognised on the street, you know. <laughs> it's not like, a, oh my God, you're Josh. Whereas some people would get recognised on a regular basis, and right, okay. like my buddy Carl, he has Cole's Classroom photography website, but it's Cole's Classroom. Jack is not going to be buying that website. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. who's Jack? Another guy called Jack is not going to be buying oh, okay, Jack's right. Classroom <laughs> from Cole. All
0: right, so l- let's uh, back up a sec here. Um, can you tell us what your typical day looks like?
1: Um, sure. So we're. I come to my office Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. We have a stand-up every day, a stand-up meeting every day at 10 a.m. where we go and say, "Okay, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I'm doing today. Here's any problems I face, and here's any wins I'm sharing." Mm-hmm. Uh, we go around and we talk about what we're doing. Um, depending on the time of year, um, I will probably be working reasonably late, and I will be working on something important. So. Trying to think of a new way to advertise or working on a new product launch, um, working with affiliates, improving the marketing, hiring people. Um, at the moment, we're trying to build out a new part of the members' area. So, anything big picture is stuff I work on. Um, and then I make sure I field questions from the team all day as well. Um, so, like the days never really look the same. Like today, I came in and I did email and like spoke to affiliates this morning and then after lunch, came back, filmed seven short videos on Milky Way photography, gave them to my videographer to ed- edit, and then we did this, That took most of my day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, um, and what would you say is the one thing which you've done which made the biggest difference financially to your, your bottom line?
1: Learn how to build a marketing funnel, like create a high converting offer. Mm-hmm. And how did, you, how did you do that? How did you learn, uh, what was the process? D- Dumb luck, did you no. you <laughs> know. to do it? Or? No, I mean, you can look at other people's offers. The, the biggest thing for me was hiring a copywriter because a copywriter knows how to sell much better than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired a copywriter for my Milky Way launch, did very well, and then I basically used that copy as a template for my next launch, which did even better, like 30% better. Okay.
0: So when you hire a copywriter, that's like you're paying someone to essentially create sales copy for like a long form Mm -hmm. sales page and I presume emails and similar stuff around the launch as well. Mm -hmm. Do you mind saying how much did that cost?
1: Oh, it was not much at all. It was like, for the long copy sales page, I think he wanted $35 an hour, Mm -hmm. maybe 15 hours, Mm -hmm. 500 bucks or so is what I paid him. Um, It took some feedback from me, I wasn't happy with the layout initially we moved some things around, um, and then we just relaunched it again for the affiliate promotion with new sales copy. Just a few tweaks, some new customer testimonials. We've got loads of customer images now, so we've reworked some of it, but it wasn't, it wasn't expensive. And
0: what, what kind of uplift in conversion rate or sales did you, did you see from that? Was it quite significant?
1: Yeah, I mean, put it this way, that, that Milky Way course converted at to 6.7, I think, no, 6% or something, about 6%. Um, The Lightroom course converted at 8.7. These are $67 offers. Um, We just did a time-lapse course converted at 4%, and I consider 4% to be a failure because it won't be profitable with advertising, I don't think. Um, 4% would have put me over the moon two years ago. Mm -hmm. I would have been happy as Larry. so, yeah, it was a, a big jump up in the right direction.
0: And did you just find this copywriter on, on Upwork? Or? No,
1: he's a, he does my um, AdWords advertising.
0: Okay. Yeah. That was, that was handy then. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you go about creating your info products? You mentioned before something about licensing or, or, or using other people.
1: So, um, kind of dumb luck. Um, I was in... San Diego, last February, and I decided to go to Joshua Tree for a weekend to go and see Joshua Tree. It's national park, not too far from there. And I chose an Airbnb, because I thought, oh, this guy's got really nice photos, looks like a nice place, close to town. Booked it, and I said, hey, I'm a photographer. Do you know of any good routes to drive to like, see anything cool? Mm-hmm. And he sent me back this huge list. He's like, yeah, I'm a photographer too. I get there, and he's got all this beautiful photography up everywhere. Turns out he, give work, he gives workshops, I'm like, hey, why don't, I mean, long story short, I was like, why don't we partner up together, mm-hmm. film a course, I'll sell it to my list, I'll pay you for your time, and I'll fill up your bookings. Um, and I got a text from him, because we, we released three courses with him now. Mm-hmm. I got a text from him like two or three days ago, just being like, wow, my calendar is full until basically March, you've sent so many people my way. Uh, and it, I'm so thrilled that it's worked because a it's it's great for him because you know, he worked hard. I mean, I mean, creating the product is nothing compared to actually like marketing it and making it work. Mm-hmm. But we worked hard together to, to put these courses out. Um, did, did you build the course together, or did you just sort of let him go away and create it? We built it together, so I'm in all of the videos. Okay. So we did that, and then I kind of just took it and it took me ages to put the put the first course out, like eight, nine, 10 months or something. And then I was like, wow, I need to release more of these. Mm-hmm. So I went back and filmed some more with him and it did really, really well. And he's happy, which is great. And B, it means I can use him as a case study and go to other people who give workshops. You know, maybe there's some guy in Berlin who teaches food photography and gives workshops on that. I'm like, hey, do like, hey, do you want to book more clients? Come film a course with me and then I'll send you referrals. Um, there must be a
0: lot of these like weird obscure sub niches within photography. I mean, you just mentioned food photography, something I never even thought of as a yeah. thing before. Um, so, do you, do you see this going on for quite some time? I mean, is there going to be a high product quality?
1: I've done a little count, and I think there's mm-hmm. between fifteen and twenty that oh, yeah. I can do okay. quite, quite easily. That's still reasonable yeah. size though, yeah.
0: Okay, um, can you tell us briefly about how you structure your product launches? You mentioned um, you had a copywriter do some work and you mentioned uh, you run a, a lot of ads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume you sort of have a framework for how you do it and you're trying to replicate yeah. that against all the, uh, in all the different sub-niches. So, um, What does it look like?
1: It's a good question because it's changed recently. The most successful launch, the way it works is the, we have a primary mail that goes out the day before on a Monday. And it's something to do with it without revealing what we're about to sell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for Lightrooming, for example, we talk about the importance of having Lightroom, the software you need to actually take this course. Then it's a launch email. It's none of this. I, I used to do like free training as an excuse to email them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. So it's a launch email, go to my sales page, buy it. Mm-hmm. And then there's another video that says, okay, oh, we've got free training from the course. It's Halfway down this sales page, go check it out. Another video where we have like free training we've made specifically for the launch. Mm -hmm. That goes on another page with the sales page on it, and then we send emails out about the bonuses, about the guarantee, um, a last chance email, a sold out email. The sold out says sold out, twelve copies remaining, or whatever, however many are left.
0: What what kind of scarcity do you use there?
1: We use a countdown timer. When they go on the launch, it's just under seven days. So it says like six days, 10 hours or whatever. Um, and we email eight, nine times over seven days, I think it is. Okay. Um, and then something I've tested with the last launch and I'll be continuing this one. Anyone who's clicked during that campaign then goes into a separate sequence Mm-hmm. and two days later, if they haven't bought but they've clicked, an email goes out and it just says, hey, did you have any problems with the cart? Because they've now missed it. Did you have any problems with the cart? We've had customers say, and then we list three reasons that aren't really our fault, which is wrong credit card type. Um, the, um, they forgot their login information mm-hmm. or there was an international card block on their cards. You know, we've had customers say this, we want to give you a second chance to get it C- click on this button now it'll take you straight to the order form and you can buy it for the next 24 hours
0: and this is after the, the yes yeah,
1: so it's the two one. days later okay right um i haven't run the numbers on how well that works but i think that's something i will be including in the future
0: mm-hmm. and does everyone on your email list get these emails for for every launch or you yeah segmented in certain ways
1: at the moment um once it's all built out it will be segmented much mm-hmm. nicer but that's how it's going to work for now
0: Okay, great, Um, so last question, if you were starting again today, Mm -hmm. uh, what would you do differently?
1: Um, It's hard to say this, but I probably wouldn't build a content site, um, at least not first, I would just build a high converting offer and get it profitable with advertising, Mm -hmm. Um, that would take some investment. Mm -hmm.
0: So if if you're doing that with photography, you would create the course, obviously you have the skills to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what? Just run cold traffic to a random sales page or something?
1: Or? Yeah, I mean, I mean while I'm building it, I'm probably doing some kind of lead generation, mm-hmm. and then launch it to a very small list. A very small list. Warm up the pixel in Facebook so they can run a lookalike audience, mm-hmm. and then uh, just let Facebook run lookalike audiences and try and optimise conversions. If it doesn't work, go back and improve it. Um, but the, the most important thing you can do is get a high converting offer.
0: Mm-hmm. But I assume you'd probably need uh, some capital to sort of run the ads yeah. and get that going. Do, when you started doing ads, did you have um, an amount of income that you could afford to kind of grow it quickly? No, it was, a, like, it was a, a bit
1: of a lag in that? It was a, a daily gamble because it wasn't, it wasn't something you could like rely on. Right. Especially not then, it's like much, Facebook optimizes campaigns much better now. Mm-hmm. Back then it was like a cost per click. Like you paid for a click, you didn't pay for, a, you weren't bidding for a conversion. Mm-hmm. Facebook didn't really know your conversions that well. So back then it was like, I hope this audience works. You know, and you just run an ad and then, sometimes you double your money, sometimes you break even, sometimes you lose a hundred bucks. Sometimes you set up the bidding wrong and then you spend $250 in 20 minutes and you're really, really annoyed because that's gone. That was your budget and yeah, these things happen. Have but, you ever had any yeah, like might, expensive
0: mistakes like
1: that? When you no, on? Um, no, no. No, no real expensive mistakes. I mean, that's, that was expensive at the time, but not so bad now.
0: Yeah, I the think there's quite a few safeguards in there to stop you from spending you know, $20,000 by mistake yeah. or something. Okay, great. Is there anything that I haven't asked you which I, which I should have asked you?
1: No, I think that's everything.
0: All right. Well, Josh Dunlop from Expert Photography, thanks very much for coming on. And uh, if you want to check out his site, expertphotography.com, it's pretty good. You can maybe copy some of his funnels in there as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you will never win. I will crush you. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Mark.
0: Alright guys, thanks very much for listening today, it's always great to interview someone who will reveal their site and so you guys can go check it out if you, if you so desire. Um, don't forget, this Sunday, Gail and I, we're launching Authority Hacker Pro and we have a free training webinar with a bunch of new tactics for you guys, we're going to share them all with you. Head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar and sign up now.